This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to Karen Feeding, the show where we raise the next generation together. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. This week, we're answering a question from a listener who's not about the drama. That is, the drama that comes from comparing your kids with others. This listener is close with three of her siblings, and they all had kids back in 2022. But as those cousins get older, it's hard to avoid the toxic comparison spiral. So how can they avoid that and help their grandparents and partners avoid it too? Then we're going to debrief on our weekend parenting with a round of everyone's favorite triumphs and fails. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll see you back here for our listener question. All right, we're back and ready to hop into our first listener question. Let's hear it. Dear Karen Feeding Pod, my siblings and I are very close. There are four of us, three girls and one boy, all born within a six-year span. In 2022, we all had a baby, and we are so excited that our kids will grow up together. Amongst ourselves, we are not competitive, and we want to remain that way. We're doing our best to not compare ourselves as parents or to compare the kids to each other, but it can be hard when the babies, now toddlers, are all so close in age. We also have the added dynamics of our partners in the mix. Any advice on how to not compare and keep competition out of it, especially as the kids get older? And any scripts for how to discourage others, such as grandparents, from comparing? Thank you. No sibling or nibbling drama mama. What do you think, Elizabeth? Well, see, the thing is, I think that competition and the feeling of competition is not something that someone necessarily does to you, but something you feel mm-hmm. as like an insecure parent. So I believe competition essentially to be something that you as the receiver of the information is projecting onto the conversation. So I think instead of saying like, what do we need to do to keep the competition out of there? You need to think, what do I need to do to stop a comment from feeling like to stop someone else's comment from feeling yeah because to me yeah. competition is that feeling like someone says something about their child or about how what they're doing and in your head you start thinking well my kid doesn't do that or well we're not there yet what am i doing wrong what am what is this of course. you know I, have you guys had that mm-hmm. okay so i'm not crazy that's good um I think the goal is to stop that in your own head. And and the way to do that is to, one, recognize that it's happening. So in my mind, I literally will think, why am I perceiving this? Like, they're not talking about my kid. They're not saying that my kid can't do this or will never do this. They are just mm-hmm. telling me something about their child or what they observed, right? Or a grandparent is telling me that they talked to one of, you know, my brother and sister-in-law and that they're reporting information on that child. That is not a comment on on my child at all. 
Um, or if it is, that's their problem, not my problem, because the competition only matters sort of in my eyes. So if they're saying like, well, is Henry doing this yet? Because Liam's doing this or, or whatever. That's like my issue. Not if they want to compare kids, that's up to them. So I try to one, just think, why am I feeling this way? Am I feeling insecure about this? And then immediately try to think something good about the child we're talking about. So like, um, I don't necessarily have to say it out loud because sometimes I think that does bring up the competitiveness. So it's kind of like this self-regulation to say they are not saying anything bad about this child. And wow, am I lucky, you know, um, that Henry is so um, friendly. Like, gosh, I have such a friendly kid, like just in my head. I think if you're having trouble doing this, the because I had these years where um, Henry's pandas, which is his autoimmune disorder, that causes some really terrible behavior to happen. It was really hard for me not to compare him to other kids and and not think like, gosh, this kid I'm raising is like, this is not good. Because so much of the behavior, and I've, I've talked about that on other episodes, was just really bad. And it felt really like, oh, I'm, this, I'm raising this child who just can't behave. I started doing one of those um, three-year journals where you write something about the kid every day. It's just a journal and you write something they said or something they did. And that really helped me focus on, yeah, we have these behavioral struggles, some of them caused by pandas, some of them just because this is a child. But like every day this kid is doing something amazing or super cool and becoming this person that I'm getting to see. And keeping that journal really helped me focus on this particular child. And then I started doing it for the others to be like, well, I'm raising three totally different kids. Like what one can do, another can't. Another's skills are are not that. And I think that helped me focus on what cool individual kids I have and gave me a bedrock to come back to when I started to feel like they're comparing. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really great advice. And I think it's so hard, like you said, Liz, just not to compare. I found... Um, here's a, here comes a humble brag. I got off Instagram a couple weeks ago and Instagram is like just a breeding ground for the compare and despair um, syndrome. Like I find that I have found just in the last couple weeks since I've been off, I have been out of that headspace of like seeing what other people are doing and inevitably comparing, you know, my family to other families or my career to other careers. And so just as a kind of like secondary um, strategy, like I don't know what your relationship to social media is. And I know that we're talking about your siblings and not just random kids, but I think that I think that Instagram brain kind of permeates all. And it and if you are super um, up on Instagram, perhaps taking a step back might get you out of that that headspace. Because um, I think it, it has me uh, out of that headspace, at least for as long as I can can resist um and another thing that i i didn't know actually until recently i may have learned this when the kids were infants but um you know that that period was a blur and i forgot a lot of it i was sitting around with my friends so um i was sitting around with my friends many of whom have kids the same age as my kids and so the the compare thing uh i think can creep in if we let it sometimes and one friend was saying to another friend that, you know, a third friend's kid wasn't crawling yet, even though that they're like, you know, they're at that age where other kids are crawling. And Shira, my wife, who's trained as a pediatrician, uh, 
noted that actually crawling isn't a milestone. And like thinking about milestones in these really rigid ways, like my kid needs to be doing this right now because that's what the books say or that's what these other kids are doing. Like it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's not to say like if your kid is showing some signs of some delay that you shouldn't perhaps look into it, but like we're not robots and and we develop at all different paces. And I think as soon as we remember that, the easier it gets to to not compare and despair. Yeah, I really agree with Elizabeth that it's it's in your it starts in your head, you know, it's how you're looking at your children or your child and responding to information about other people's kids. I'm not naturally competitive, so I don't think I did a lot of comparison. I think I did more of it when I, or I don't do it. I don't engage in it now. I think it's probably a little bit easier to do when your children are very small. Cause like Zach said, you're looking at milestones, you know? Yeah. So it's like, is your child doing this yet? Is your child doing this yet? You know, why isn't my kid doing this yet? But making that decision that you'll treat the children as individuals and not compare them is super important. Um, as far as they mentioned uh, discouraging the grandparents yeah. from comparison, just calling it out when it happens. You know, if grandma says, oh, it looks like Sarah's, you know, going to be a fast one, but Billy's not really crawling, you know, just say, hey, these are, we've got four different kids and they're having four different experiences in this planet and we don't want to compare them. I think just simply calling it out when yeah. you hear it is important. Um you two have multiple children. Do you ever compare your kids to each other? I know Elizabeth talked about that a bit. But Zach, do you look at your son and daughter and say, hmm, this isn't quite going how it did the first time? Well, it's so amazing how early it becomes apparent that like the kids are entirely different universes. Like Noah is so different from Ami and Ami is so different from Noah. And I, I feel like because that stark difference made itself clear so early, we've been less prone to compare just because like they're just different kids i'm much more likely to compare noah to other kids her age or like my friend's kids her age than i am to compare her to her brother just because i don't know it's probably just the the kind of latent competitor in me did you compare liz no not really between the kids again because i think so much of the comparison is like when it's coming from grandparents i I feel like the comparison is because I want them to like my child. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I want you to love my child the same way or or like thinking about why am I having this feeling that you get when you when you feel like well, we're not good enough. The the place that I have found it the hardest to deal with is the school stuff because when we were homeschooling, there's no feedback. There's no nobody's getting awards no one is getting into societies all of all of these things that there is a lot of in school there's a lot of opportunities for kids to to receive special things right to, to individualize them which is great for them and it would feel like well my kid doesn't get any of that like I have nothing to to share in that way and I this particularly happens with um like my friend group, right? We're on this text message. I love this big group message. I love hearing about what their kids are doing. But it started to be because we got to the age now getting into middle school, like, oh, my kid is 
president of this club or won this award at school or got this. And it was like, well, we don't get any of that. And I had to really take a minute and be like, they are not telling me this to make me feel bad. They are so excited for their kid. And I love their kid and I love them. So again, this is my, I need to take a minute. And instead of being like, hey, when you share this, Mm. you know, it hurts my feelings or whatever. I need to be able to say, I'm so excited for you and, you know, your kid. This is like awesome. And if I need to, Zach, kind of on your, you know, thread, mute Instagram for a while, mute the group text, like all of that is totally fine for self-preservation. Like, wow, it's especially around that May kind of graduation. There was just so much coming in and we were, you know, moving. Um, I just had to mute it. And I think the other thing is to respect that when other people need to do that as well. Um, because I had this moment of thinking like, well, I'm sure they're sharing all of this and yes, we don't have that, but like, I'm sharing all the stuff we do on tra- for travel and where we take the kids. And I'm sure that that can have the same effect if you were already kind of thinking like, gosh, I wonder if we should be getting our kids out more, taking them to do things. And then here I am like, well, we took our kids here and we took our kids here. Like that might be having the same effect. And I'm not sharing it to be like, yeah. we are so much better. Um, but you can certainly be in that mindset, you know, when I was so focused on being worried about school and like, am I doing the right thing? When they would share the school stuff, it felt like like it was reinforcing that insecurity that I already had. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing, and this is a thought that I often have when I read these wonderful listener questions, and you might already be doing this, no sibling or nibbling drama mama, but just having the conversation that we're having and expressing the question that you've so um, bravely expressed here to your siblings, uh, I think is going to go a long way, especially like on the grandparent tip, like you all can be aligned if you are all, you know, thinking that competition is is not where you want to be. And so like, send them your thoughts on this, send them this episode. But um, I feel like you can, especially you can do this in healthy siblinghoods where you where you are close and and you are in relationship and super loving with one another like you can gently be each other's um accountability buddies and like call each other out when you when you see yourselves or feel yourselves or see your siblings being competitive and so i think that's maybe that's obvious but i think that that is going to to help you a lot too also as your kids get older the comparing each other changes a bit because you all aren't quite commiserating yet. The babies are still sweet and small and they're toddlers and not that you're not commiserating. No, no. Because there definitely are some annoying things that happen at the toddler stage. But the older they get, it won't be like, oh, is your little one doing this? It's like, oh my God, my kid won't (laughs) stop doing, well, my kid won't stop. Right, it goes the other direction. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. I think too, setting the stage with that and making sure you're sharing that other stuff, particularly with your siblings, like don't be giving them just the highlight reel. I think a good yeah. way to stop the competition is to have your conversation with them be as real as possible. So they're, uh, you know, hear your triumphs and your fails. Like, yeah. I yeah. think that that when you can get to that place with your friends, one, the conversation is so much more helpful. But two, when they tell you the bad stuff too. It's almost like then the good stuff doesn't feel like comparison because you are riding the highs and lows with them. And I think that mm-hmm. feels so much more uh, like authentic. Um, and particularly with siblings, that can 
really bond you. And I was laughing when Jamila was saying that because I, as as the two of us having kids on the on the precipice of <laughs> teenhood, I do. Oh yeah. I do feel that like um, it's nice just to to have someone else to be like, oh, this is happening to you too, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Great. I feel, you know, personally victimized by my child. Oh, you too? Great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you caught your kid smoking weed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. What are you doing about it? I think mm-hmm. being open to those experiences and you're right, when they're babies, it's like, the, even if you're commiserating, it's not the same. It's like, you don't feel like the baby is doing it to you the same yeah. way you do with your preteen. I, <laughs> when Jamila and I met up in LA, that was like our, I was like, oh, oh yeah. we're both in this stage as our children, um, who are both like so lovely, uh, you know, gave us some sass, uh, <laughs> as they are wont to do at this age. All right. Well, we're curious to know how the rest of you all out there listening have handled this or how you would handle this. Email us at karenfeedingpod at slate.com or leave a voicemail at 646-357-9318. That's also where you can send in any questions of your own. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be back in a second. We're back and moving on to a little segment we call Triumphs and Fails. If you're new here, we like to share a story from our week in parenting because at the end of the day, we all need a little commiseration and or celebration. So do you have a triumph or fail for us, Zach? I got a big F this week. And in a moment, I might start whispering because my daughter (laughs) is home from school. Um, She's got strep and I don't want her to hear this. So actually, I'm going to make sure... Her door's closed. One second. This must be good. <laughs> yeah, Naima's home. I need to close the door. Hold on. Does that mean this is is this juicy, Zach? I mean, it's it's. I don't want to oversell this, but have you played uh, Battleship? Is that what it's oh, called? Yeah. Battleship. Yeah. So I was playing Battleship with Noah the other day. It was a gift that she got for Hanukkah from um, one of the grandparents, and I had to cheat because you guys, this game is so freaking boring. I don't. I didn't remember it being so boring. I there's no there's no real strategy here. A one. Ca- <laughs> you're calling out random numbers and letters, and I had to peer over her board to see where her goddamn battleships were because it was taking forever and it was so painstaking. It was it was awful. Like I, I usually like playing games with her. This is a terrible game. I am going to <laughs> to give Battleship two thumbs down and like just as a way to freaking get through it i had to start looking to see where her battleships were so i could beat her and put her out of her misery because it was brutal and i'm not advocating cheating on games with your kids especially your six-year-olds but i felt like i had no other choice because we were going to be there for an hour playing (laughs) b12 c3 it's not a fun game and no offense to like people in the navy or something but (laughs) it's it's, I don't think it's they're brutal offended. and <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, think it's the Navy's really like <laughs> um, but yeah uh, I, I failed at like you know embodying the ethics that we're trying to hand down to our children because I couldn't take it anymore I can admit to cheating to end a game early Jamila have you cheated to end a game I've early I've cheated to end a game before yeah <laughs> Oh, see, don't worry. Okay. This is just such a, a safe parenting space. badge. 
<laughs> Level one. Uh, Sometimes you just have to. Yeah. So I won the game, but I failed. Um, I failed at life. Too bad you couldn't cheat and let her win, because at least that is better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hard in Battleship, though. What are you gonna do? I could have like tilted the board her way and like. You could have just everything oh, I could have just said, said yes. You could have hit. just said yes. <laughs> oh, that see, that's I like that. Uh, how about you, Elizabeth? What have you got this week? I'm also taking a big fail, uh, and it's actually from our trip, but it is coming up because it basically happened again, which is that I want to preface this by saying Jeff and I take a lot of pride in like researching our outings like we have great itineraries we even here where we never know what's going on i feel like we have read everything we could google translate we know what's going on yeah um in bangkok which is a lovely another big city we wanted to do all these temples and so to do that we sold our kids on this we're going to do these temples and then we're going to go to this like ginormous rope playground and i showed them pictures on the internet and it's like on the top of a shopping mall and then instead of a floor it's like those cargo nets and then there's like cargo net tunnels you can crawl through and big cargo net balls to swing on it's like nothing i've really seen before i'm sure there are many of these but this was like the first one that i had seen it's all bright colors looks amazing you're like when you're in the nets you're like looking down and it's the it's the mall so it looks super cool kids were really excited it was like come do this thing then we're gonna go to these nets and um the nets are not close to anything in bangkok we had to like take an uber we don't fit in one uber so we had to take two ubers it was like a whole production to get there and we knew that the nets were closed like 10 minutes out of each hour and we had told the kids like hey when we get there the playground might be closed because they closed 10 minutes to to clean it or whatever so we get there, we can see kids, we're like looking up from the bottom of the mall and we can see kids in the net. It doesn't look very crowded. The kids are so excited. We're like finding the elevator. We get up there and there's like a woman at the security desk in front of where you enter the net prog- playground. We're taking off our shoes, getting ready to get on. Adults can get on too. And she's giving kind of like, so in Asia, like the international symbol for like, no, 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 is like crossing your arms like an X. So she's giving us like X, X, X. And we go up. She's trying to tell us that you have to like register and you have to register for the playground using this application called Line, which is sort of like a messaging platform, but it's what they use here to sign up for things. Jeff and I have still not really figured this out. We're like trying to scan the line. We finally figure out that you have to have tickets for this and you have to get the tickets online. The next available ticket is like two hours from now. So we pull out kind of our usual bag of tricks, which is like, first, plead with the woman. Hi, we have come all the way from the United States for our (laughs) children. You know, we're typing this on Google Translate. For our children to play here, there's like, it looks like the breaks are at the top of the hour and we're like 10 minutes till the break. There are only like 10 kids in this enormous playground. Like, can our children please just come in for 10, for the 10 remaining minutes? Like some children have left, can they just come in? Uh, And of course, like rules here are very strict and also like we don't speak the language so we just can't finesse it the way we were able to we're normally able to kind of finesse the situation Mm. like what can we do you know is there something to do here for two hours we just can't figure it out it's just like a Mm. mall which yeah we could like hang out at the mall but the kids were already like we had just eaten so we couldn't go get a meal like they were kind of on their downslope anyway it was like this is a mess So we finally just decide we just can't do this. We got everybody out here and we can't do this. And 
Oliver, sweet, sweet Oliver, was like, it's okay. I understand that you guys tried your hardest. The other two lost their shit. Teddy and Henry just lost their minds on us because they had seen this playground. We had promised them this. You know, they're like, you lied to us about this. We went and saw these things you wanted to do and this is closed. Uh And we're, we're like... You know, I'm so sorry. We read all the things. You know, this starts then, like, if we were back home, like, this wouldn't happen, da, 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 which is 100% true. Like, we, because it would have been written down somewhere that we could read. Like, we are functionally illiterate here. So mm-hmm. I, I am, I feel really bad. We did end up recovering the day. But then this weekend, same freaking thing, guys. We go to this playground here in Japan and get to, we like get in, you pay an admission and you needed to like stop by early and get a ticket. And we just had no, we didn't even know the playground was there. I mean, I can justify this to myself, but the kids are are mad about it again, which I understand is like, it's good for them to learn. <laughs> Disappointment. But, but the disappointment, yes, and like to have it built up. And as a yeah. parent, whether or not we can justify it, it just feels awful. Yeah. So anyway, so this this idea of needing tickets to go to playgrounds is is kind of insane. You need like reservations and tickets for everything, but I just I, and there's no. It's not like you can get a reservation, but you can also walk up. It's just reservation or yeah, reservation. SOL. Sometimes you need to like go there to get the reservation. But huh. I, I think the thing is because I mean truly. I, I cannot stress enough that we are like illiterate here. We are illiterate yeah. and we don't speak the language. So it's like there's just if Google Translate does not specifically say like you need a ticket and this is how you get it. Or I can if I can find a like English written blog where someone else has had this happen to them and is like, here's how to avoid it. Right. Yeah. Um, if I can't find that, it's like a crapshoot what we need. Uh, and never in my mind did I think this giant net playground would need a reservation. Same as last weekend, I didn't think that someplace I paid admission to, part of it would require a separate ticket. You're learning the culture. You're still a fish out of water. You can't be so hard on yourself here that, that Japan has all these rules that you don't know about. We can justify it, but it still sucks yeah. when you're a kid and you've been told, hey, we're going to this thing and now we can't go. And we can't go seemingly because your parents didn't do the thing that they should have done. Right. right. Anyway. So that's my big fail. Jamila, are you? Are we a, a three fail or are you going to lift us up here with a triumph? <laughs> three fails today, guys. Okay. Three fail week. Three fail three week. Three failures. Okay, so Naeem and I were at the nail shop the other day. I had a couple broken nails and I had to stop and get them repaired. And um, there was a candy bowl with some like mini Snickers and stuff like that. And I have decided recently, and I decided this at the end of 2023, that going into 2024, I'm going to make some changes to Naima and I's diet. You know, I'm concerned about both of our weights. We're eating too much sugar. So cutting back on sweets, 
you know, drastically. We'll still have some dessert, but we're not going to have it every day. We're not going to have candy and then go home and have dessert. You know, like we're just, we're watching our sugar intake. And I've talked to her about this and she's been mostly understanding, not terribly enthusiastic, but she gets it. Um, And so I told her, no, you know, I was like, Naomi, you have to learn to be around sugar and not have it. You know, just because you see candy doesn't mean you have to have candy. And she says, well, the woman's probably going to offer me some. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, that doesn't matter, you know, Mm because we're not going to have it. We're going to have dessert later tonight. Like, no, you know, just no. And so I'm sitting there agonizing over it. Like, I say this to her and she's sulking. And I'm just like, is this the start of her eating disorder? Mm -hmm. You know, like... It's such a small piece of candy. Is it really that big a deal? Because normally I'd be the one to be like, go ahead. You know, like it's a small piece of candy. I would have had one too, you know, but I'm trying to have us have more discipline around sugar. And so I'm sitting here and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm really agonizing over it, you know? And sure enough, (laughs) the woman, the nail technician offers her a piece of candy and Naima says, sure. And she looks at me and says, when the student becomes the master. (laughs) Like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) But she was basically saying, like, I've outsmarted you. Like, you can't stop me from this. Yes. It was the Uh the Snickers version of a middle finger. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, And she took it and ate it. She took it and ate it uh-huh. um, because I guess it didn't occur to her and I didn't correct her. I just gave up because I was feeling so bad about it that like my no just was eradicated once the woman who works in a nail shop said, would you like some candy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the good thing is the woman kept offering her more and I said, no, thank you. That's all. And Naomi was like, I don't want another one. You know, so she only had one, which is a triumph because in the past. You know, she would have gone for seconds, maybe thirds. Same. But um, I felt relief because I was like, okay, she got to have the candy. Like, mm-hmm. she's not going to feel bad about herself. She's not going to be agonizing over this the way that I have. I think the fact that she just had one, because that's kind of what you're trying to strike is a healthy, like, it's okay to have a treat We and to, or, and to eat sugar. We just can't, if that can't be our main source, you know. If you have yeah. three mini Snickers, then you're not going to be hungry for more nutritious foods. Um, but good grief. <laughs> Has there been any talk since then about it? Yeah, just not about that incident in particular, but just dessert, you know. And she's like, when are we going to have it again? And I was like, well, when we talked about it, we said maybe go two weeks without it, you know. And she's like, you didn't say that. I'm like, I did, you know, because actually she brought, I brought, she said a month. And I said, no, we don't need to go a month, maybe two weeks, you know. And so, like, we've been eating fruit for dessert um, the last few days. Actually, last night we didn't have it. I had some fruit when she went to sleep. She went to sleep before she had any. But we've tried having fruit um, because we usually eat dessert every night and dessert is usually cake or cookies or brownie, you know, Mm -hmm. like not a huge portion, but still like, you know, something pretty rich and sweet, ice cream. Um, So I'm trying to cut back on that, which is tough for both of us because, you know, I love to bake. We love to bake together, you know, but I'm just a little, you know, concerned and I, I want us to be feeling our best and not overdoing it with the sugar. This is really hard. It's really hard. I find this to be really hard. And then you think like, well, this is going to be like a nice, easy visit to the nail salon. And now here, you know. Right. It becomes loaded anytime. It becomes loaded. 
Yeah. And then instead yeah. of enjoying what should be like feel like pampering or taking care of yourself, like you said, regardless of how that went, you spent the time thinking about did I handle this right? Am I causing problems? What am I actually saying? You know what I mean? Like regardless mm-hmm. of what actually happened with Naima, you also spent all this time where you're just like, I don't even know that I did this right or did I just cause another problem or am I is this a fight worth picking you know yeah (sighs) I'm sorry it's tough let's just have fun all right well listeners as always we want to hear your parenting stories too did you have a particularly great triumph or a funny fail share them with us and we might play them on the show you can write to us at our new email address, com, or leave a voicemail at 646-357-9318. And that's our show. Subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. If you want more parenting advice, you can find Karen Feeding, the column, on Slate.com. You'll find me there, too, on Fridays. This episode of Karen Feeding is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening.